week we take you around Austin the Athletics Department, sometimes Clarksville, and occasionally the OVC to give you the full scope of what is unfolding around us. I am Colby Wilson, man of many words. He is Dylan Schwartz, and his monosyllabic grunt game is second to none. Dylan, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm fine. You're probably better. The Red Sox won the World Series. You have 30 seconds to brag starting now. Yeah, I mean... There's not much to describe it, you know. Uh, had the championship, you know. Now we're getting back to watching the Patriots, you know. Boston sports fans, we can't relax, you know. Uh, two days and then already back to Patriots games, you know. It's a, it, it's a cruel world sometimes for us. Anyway. <laughs> Closer to home and things that people aside from Dylan care about, football absolutely beat the brakes off Tennessee Tech during the homecoming contest on Saturday. Maybe that sounds a little harsh, but at 41-10, to 10, that's what happened. Have to highlight the play of Jeremiah Oatesfall. He had a record-setting day. He threw for five touchdowns, and that equaled the program's single-game record and tied the OVC high in 2018. The main targets for his uh, for his passes on the night were DJ Montgomery with four catches for three touchdowns, also added a buck 11 with his receiving yardage, and then Benico Harley, who was... Um, done a very good job transitioning to more of a pass-catching role. Had three catches for 86 yards and two touchdowns. Never felt like there was a moment the Govs weren't in control of it. The very hallmark of a good team playing a good game. Defensive numbers didn't look like much in terms of turnovers, but the Golden Eagles absolutely could not get anything consistent moving all night as Austin P evens its record at 500 on the season in front of a raucous homecoming crowd. Women's golf concluded their fall slate as they successfully defended their title at the 2018 Town and Country Invitational. It was the first win for the Govs under head coach Amy McCullum after winning Sarah Robeson's final event as head coach a year ago. And Colby was there and took in the event. And uh, I'm sure he appreciated the weather, unlike what we had in Dixon a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I did. Uh, it was very nice. to. I, I wore shorts yesterday, and frankly, I was still a little warm. Uh Great couple of days, great weather on a course. Couldn't ask for a nicer end of the fall. Reagan Green brings home her first title as a governor. Uh, kept getting birdies when she needed them. Also, right before we came in here, uh, Reagan won OVC Women's Golfer of the Week, the first of her career, so congrats to her. Uh, she led the tournament by a mile in par four scoring, and that was really the difference for her on a shorter course, par 70. Uh, having a good iron game makes all the difference. Shelby Darnell, the freshman, also made the all-tournament team. Uh, that duo, really along with the Govs top to bottom in the lineup, fed off the five-man pairing formation that kept the team together, kind of uh, elicited more of a, a more camaraderie, almost like a practice round in a way where everybody's just together and cracking jokes and the coaches can be with them. It was, it was a lot of fun, a great way to close the fall. Volleyball wins two at home before falling on the road in a busy week. The Governors closed out the regular season a perfect 10-0 and at home, and once again, it was the main passing of Kristen Stucker that really helped out. She recovered from what, by her standards, was not a good week the week previous, but, you know, it happens to every 
every athlete, even world-class professional athletes. Um, it's how you respond, and she responded very well. Um, earned the seasons, earned her own season sixth OVC Center of the Week award. They swept UTM and Southeast. Oh, they swept UT Martin. Excuse me. Should probably clarify that instead of saying UTM. But they swept UT Martin and Southeast Missouri before they ran into a bit of trouble against Murray State. And that leaves implications heading into the weekend about OVC, you know, OVC placings and who gets to decide to host the OVC tournament and so on. Yeah, um, I'm going to keep studying on these and we'll get into it later in the episode because the tiebreaker scenario Cody Bush sent me is like 500 words long and it's like a complex SAT question. So Dylan, what happened at tennis last week? Tennis keeps keeps um, looking to improve, and they went down to Chattanooga to conclude their fall slate as well, um, led again by Almanza Sozelis, who has really been the, the star of the team for the past three seasons. Um, the tournament was set up a little weird. Uh, it was not like a knockout-style tournament with different brackets. Um, the Govs played three dual matches against other teams that were there. There wasn't really a winner, per se. But Almantas went 5-1 and one overall in his matches. He went 2-1 and one in doubles with his partner Anton Demberg and went undefeated in singles matches, not even dropping a set in Chattanooga as the Govs. Now look forward to the winter break and hopefully um, put together a good spring season. That's what happened last week, bit of a short week. We will take a break and bring home Ryan Combs of the Austin Athletics Academic Services Department right after this. guest today, we will talk to somebody whose imprint on this campus has been felt since the day he arrived. His initiatives have been among the most important and engaging we've had, and we're lucky he's here both at Austin P and with us today. Ryan Combs, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Appreciate it. So how did you get into athletics in the first place? It's a great question. Uh, so I was born into an athletic family. My dad was a baseball coach uh, throughout high school. Um, Back in Hazard, Kentucky, we'll get to that later. But uh, so grew up in it, loved sports. Uh, and then during my time at Belmont, I majored in communications and religion. Graduated, like I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but my senior year, I decided to apply for the Masters of Sport Administration program. And some of my bosses in the Fit Rec Center that I worked in, they were in that program. And it seemed like a good fit. Honestly, it just felt good, kind of took a leap. And uh, when I got into the program, it's very internship based and I did internships at Vanderbilt, uh, University of Louisville, Belmont, just a lot of different kind of put my feet in a lot of different areas just to kind of see what it would like and uh, loved academics, thought it was a good fit between being able to hang out with students, be around sports, which is just always fun and a plus and just kind of found a home and a passion in it. So then what brought you to Austin P after that? Because like you said, Vanderbilt, Louisville, Belmont, we're a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. It's it was one of those things where when you're graduating, you're just looking for a job. It's uh, in athletics, isn't the easiest thing to break into, especially in academics. So uh, saw a job posted uh, during my last semester. Uh, my supervisor at Belmont had some good connections within the OVC. She kind of put in a good word for me. I applied and was lucky enough that got the opportunity to stay here. And they haven't fired me yet, so I'll take it. 
how do you get so many student athletes here to place so much trust in you? Because it's not just that everybody comes to Combs first. You're you're kind of the student athlete's version of Bud Jenkins in a lot of ways. Where if if I have an issue, I go to Bud first because Bud just knows how to fix things. If the student athletes have an issue, they're going to Combs first. Combs knows how to fix things. Yeah, well, I appreciate that uh, being compared to Bud. I mean, that's I'm not even close to that. But uh, it's been I don't know. That's a great question. I'm thankful for it. Uh, I try to every day just be intentionally student first because if anything we're doing from my end of it from academics and also student athlete development just making the experience better for them and helping educate them I mean they're the ones that know best they know what they need and uh, I just try to be a resource for them and if they've got a question do whatever I can to answer it I have no problem telling them I have no idea the answer to that question <laughs> but give me a second let me try to go figure it out and uh, I don't know I'm, I'm thankful for it for sure I appreciate being able to get to know them all it's a blessing and uh, I think being fairly close in age has helped some, especially from the beginning. Um, but I don't know. I'm thankful for it, for sure, though. So, Hazard, Kentucky. Man, what a transition. What do you do <laughs> in Hazard, Kentucky? Yeah, that's I, I spent a lot of my childhood asking that myself that. Uh, it's, Hazard's a great place. I love it. Uh, all the time in Belmont, I would take people home to Hazard as much as I could. And they'd be like, why are we going to Hazard? I'm like, just don't worry about it. You'll have a blast. Come on. Uh, so when you think of things in Hazard to do, you've got Applebee's and Walmart. We got a super center. A lot of people don't expect that. Uh, so you got that. High school sports is big. Hazard and Perry County. Hazard's in Perry County, and it's a big rivalry. Uh, so going to games. It's in the mountains. So fishing, uh, hunting, hanging out with family. It's a very family-based kind of community and culture. I grew up next to my grandma down the hill from my aunt and uncle, across the street from my cousins. I mean, we all just grew up together. So there's a lot to do. You just got to hopefully have some people to do those things with. <laughs> so how does one get from Hazard to Belmont? Good question as well. There was actually like four to five people from my high school that went to Belmont before I did. And we had a very good kind of chorus music program at my school. And a lot of people would go to it. And my sister, that was her dream school her whole life. So, and we're just 13 months apart, so one year apart. And when she went, I kind of did my college visits just by seeing her too. And I love music, always enjoyed playing it. And it was one of those things I feel like could have went to a couple other schools, could have played baseball at an AIA level. And I was like, you know what? I know I ain't going pro. There's no shot. Uh, too slow, not strong enough. I get it. Uh, I don't want to say what if. And that was kind of the biggest reason I went to Belmont. I'm like, yeah, let's just see where it goes. And it just felt right. All right, so since you've already cheated and seen these, we're going to play either or now. I'm still not going to be good at this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, snap or Instagram stories? Snap just simply because I don't have Instagram. Suit or jeans? Wait a minute. You don't have I have Instagram. I'm I doing don't have it. it I don't have an Instagram. I'm sorry. I'm not cool enough for it. Suit or jeans? Jeans. Hard work or natural talent? Hard work? Yeah, hard work. Brains or beauty? Brains. Old soul or childlike innocence? Old soul. Electric or acoustic guitar? Acoustic, because I don't know how to play electric. <laughs> Chipotle or Moe's? Chipotle, not even close. Faith or proof? I like to say faith, but my mind likes to say proof a lot, but I'm going to go with faith. 
Fast and loose or slow and steady? Slow and steady. Yankees or Red Sox? Yankees. I was going to say, you wanted to say neither, it looked like. I'm a big Jeter fan. Loved Jeter my whole life. Was an infielder. Jeter was my guy. So I've stuck with that. At this point, I respect the way the Red Sox play. I'm a big baseball nerd, but I would, I have still have to stick with Yankees. I like Aaron Boone. I grew up a Reds fan, so I got to respect Aaron Boone. All right, well, that's either or. And as always, you win my unyielding gratitude. So let's talk music. You have, you've alluded to the music uh, a couple of times, but just kind of give us your overall background in it and why it remains such a big part of your life. Yeah, so my dad uh, is a musician, so that's always been around it. Uh, my mom, she played the flute in high school, but she's not a musician. She would tell you, I'm not, I don't do this. Uh, so my sister loved it. They honestly kind of tricked me into it, if I'm being honest. Um, when I was five years old, they tell me this, I don't remember. There was some cartoon character who had like a fake fiddle that you could buy online. Not even online. Internet probably wasn't even yeah, out well, there. I don't, I don't know. But you could buy like this fake fiddle toy. And that's what I wanted for Christmas. But they didn't give me that. They got me a real fiddle. And in doing that, ended up taking lessons from a guy that lived down the road, bluegrass player, and just slowly started playing it. Got better at it. Hated it as a kid. Didn't think it was cool. I just wanted to play baseball. That's all I wanted. But so we would grow up going about an hour away to a place called the Mountain Arts Center. And I played in a, a group there, uh, ended up playing music with my dad and my sister, bluegrass gospel mainly uh, for most of my life. Grew up playing in church. Uh, it's just been so much of who I am. I got into songwriting when I went to Belmont. I fell in love with it. Got the opportunity to write a lot of songs with some really good people, people that are honestly writing songs for a living now. And um, I don't know, there's just something special about it when it's like you can just go sit down in your room, play the guitar after a long day, and be at complete peace with it, and just have fun. And um, I don't know, it's just special things that bring joy to people too. That's always fun when people have fun singing your songs, or just listening to you play. It's a thing I'm thankful for, and uh, I'm very glad my parents made me learn how to play it when I was younger. Because, but I will say this: when I was in sixth grade, I didn't want to play anymore, and my dad said, "Okay, cool." He let me step back. And by letting me step back, it allowed me to come back to it. Where I think if he would have forced it down my throat, I'd have burned out. And I don't know if I would enjoy it the way I do today. So, I don't know. It's always there for me. And uh, definitely thankful for that. Was it something you ever thought about pursuing further than just as... I, what, do you call, what do you call your relationship to music? Maybe that's the better question right now. That's a great question. My relationship to music. Um, it's definitely like family. It's just something that will always be a part of me. Uh, I definitely did consider pursuing just being a songwriter. Uh, I really got to the point where I was like, do I want to pursue grad school or do I want to pursue being a songwriter? And I really looked at things I wanted to do in life and I felt like things such as like having a family and um, not that you can't have a family as a songwriter at all, but things that I wanted to have in my life kind of lined up more with going a different route. Um, so music right now is just something there for fun something there for like it's just my thing like I love it uh, but also who knows like we still play songs me my dad and my sister we came out with a CD less than a year ago it's called Combs Family Tradition so we just came out with that there's a pitch it's on iTunes check it out uh, Combs Family Tradition uh, so that was fun doing that so I'm never going to turn it down if life comes and all of a sudden 
one of the buddies I wrote with is like gets a big publishing deal and gets a number one hit and he's like hey I want to release this song I'm gonna be like go for it let's see what happens um so yeah I don't know if that answers your question or not but <laughs> it brings up more questions than it answered to be honest um okay let's uh you released an okay I have two we have two CDs on iTunes yeah okay I kind of get off in my own little world every so often, and I'm not very conscious of the things happening around me. Is this wide knowledge, and I just missed it? Um, maybe not really wide. Well, it is now, uh, buddy. Okay. We'll put it on the airwaves. Um, so I had I released an EP when I was in college. It's called Ryan Combs EP. I released six songs that I wrote with a couple of friends of mine. Uh, so that's out. That's just country. And then about six months ago, um, my dad, my sister, and I released – an album together doing country gospel stuff a lot of stuff we've or bluegrass gospel a lot of stuff we've grown up playing together and that was really special because i've done a cd my sister's done a cd of her own but it was cool for all of us to kind of come together and do one as well you talked about that that having to make a choice between songwriting grad school and kind of just following a path how old were you when you had to make that choice i think when i decided that was the route i was going to go I was 22, 23. So you now are someone who helps people like you make that decision every year. Is it, having done it yourself, you obviously know the pros and the cons of your choice. How hard is it to advise someone who comes into your office and sits down and goes, I don't know what I should do, help me? Yeah, I mean, I don't attest to be someone who knows or even thinks that I've made the best decisions all the time. I mean, that's kind of the thing with life. You just got to – you make decisions, you know, and you can't second-guess a ton of things, and you just kind of kind of move along. And one thing with students, it's – I feel like I keep saying thankful, but I'm thankful that I get to have those conversations with students because I feel like at that point my job is just to ask questions. I never want to tell a student, this is what you have to do, or this is what you should do. Because I remember when I was in those moments, if a person told me this is what you need to do, it usually turned me off to want to do that thing. But at the same time, I have to come to the conclusion of my own, and they have to as well. So I just try to do the best that I can to provide opportunities for them, ask questions, and just listen. And usually they come up with the answer that they need. A lot of times I'll just sit there, and they'll tell me what they're going through, and then they'll come to the answer, and they'll say, thank you so much. And I'm like, I literally didn't say a word. <laughs> you just answered it yourself. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a cool opportunity, and it's, it's cool to see them on the other end of it, too, when they come out of it on the right end. A quick break to talk about our friends at Wendy's. Wendy's is a longtime and loyal sponsor of Austin B. Athletics. At Wendy's, we take food seriously. We want to be sure we're serving only the best to each customer who walks through our doors. From our headquarters to the amazing employees in every location, we like to think of Wendy's as a big family. It's important for Wendy's to give back to the communities they call home. Find out what they're doing in hometowns all across North America and especially in Clarksville. Wendy's, a proud supporter of Austin P. Athletics. The integration of faith and sports. I feel like you have thoughts on that and I want to pick your brain about them. Okay. Just leave it open to that just my thoughts on it I want to start with your thoughts and then we'll get a little further into it yeah well I think faith something that is a part of who you are completely and I feel like when you ask most of these student athletes about their sport their sport is a part of who they are 
it's a big part of it. And I think identity is a big deal with both of those. I mean, we have students leaving every year they graduate, and some of the biggest things they can they struggle with is I've always been a basketball player, or I've always been a football player, or I've always I played volleyball. Now what do I do? And what I love about just the faith aspect of it is that doesn't leave you. And it's what I try to speak with students on when they bring it up, because a lot of students, we've had those kind of faith conversations before, and they'll just, they'll know I'm open to having that conversation, so they'll come ask me about it. And they know that's something that can be a continuum for them, even when sports are high or when sports are low. That's something that can be there for them. So um, I just think both of those things, especially for a lot of people here, the student athletes, those are two things that it's so much of who they are, um, regardless of the faith. It's just, it's a big part of them. Being that sounding board for people, how invaluable is that as an asset to them and not only their career academically or athletically, but in their walk with God. How invaluable is it for them to have like for, people there to for listen? For them to have somebody like you who they you, see. You you mentioned it earlier. Your age in relation to theirs is your. You're an elder, for lack of a better word, but you're pretty close to being a peer still. Sure. And I don't know that, you know, they don't always have many peers that are so open about such things and so willing to share. And you being able to, and you being very willing to, how valuable do you maybe not think but hope that that is? I mean, I hope it's valuable. I hope it's something that uh, they're thankful for and it's something that, gets them something like I hope they get something out of it uh, I love it like I, that's one of my favorite parts of my job is when a student comes and asks real life questions more than just hey I need to get a tutor like I'm all about helping getting them get a tutor but uh, those especially mean more and I don't know I feel like I've had the opportunity and the blessing to see a lot by 27 I lived in Europe for a year after undergrad and I was able to have like faith-based conversations with a lot of students at a university in Sweden, which was cool to be able to kind of know a lot of questions and know how to ask questions and just listen to people. So I feel like that's been a cool thing to be able to kind of have in my belt to talk to students here too. And they think it's cool too when you just tell them, oh, I lived in Europe. They're like, what? I'm like, it's just like anywhere else. It's just another place. I think but it's cool. Um, it was cool, and I'm thankful for it for sure. Okay, Sweden? Yeah. Uh, you speak a lot of Swedish? I speak like no Swedish. <laughs> so that's a very English-based country then, I'm guessing. It, yeah, and especially at a university where I was at, uh, all the students knew it. I will say my aunt, she was like, well, good thing before I went. She was like, good thing you're going to Sweden where you don't have to learn another language. I was like, what do you mean? She goes, well, don't they just speak like, hey, I, I speak Swedish. I was like, no, that's a language. <laughs> like, <laughs> you have to learn it. And I didn't do a great job of learning it. So what would you do in Sweden? So I interned with a campus a ministry organization that I was a part of at Belmont called Campus Crusade for Christ, now kind of known as just Crew. Uh, so I interned with them for a year at a university in Sweden. That didn't make your online bio, I'll just have you know. I didn't write it. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so your work with SAC and FCA has helped both those organizations, I feel like, grow leaps and bounds since you've arrived. And I don't think it's just a testament to you no offense to you you did a good job but how much of that is also getting students who are very driven to be leaders in that space i think that's what it's all about i mean i can speak to more sac than fca i help out with fca 
uh, but it's for everything that they've grown in and their leadership, like they have an FCA staff that really helps plan that. And um, all the credit to them, Gary Rankhorn, uh, they all do a great job there. But with SAC, my kind of goal with it is I want to empower the students to want to do it <laughs> and then to lead it. And I told them last year, I said, look, less is more. Let's do a couple things really well instead of trying to do a bunch of things average um, and getting the right people in it. I told people if someone's like, I don't really want to be in SAC, I'm like, cool, see ya. You don't have to be in it. Like, no hard feelings. But if you don't want to be here, I'm not going to make you. Uh, and then having a group of leaders this year, Mackenzie, Dixon, Nia Gitch Francis, uh, they've done an awesome job leading it. Emily Moore, Sam Lopez, Andrew Flaherty, um, just having the passion to, hey, actually, we actually want to do this. And uh, I think that's been the big thing is just growing a culture of that the students want to be there and doing the things that they want to do and letting their voice be heard. Student-athlete development is something that I felt like, even as recently as a decade ago, was given a lot of lip service but not necessarily a whole lot of in practice was being put into it and it's now become something that's really rapidly growing how do you help that not just here but I know you go to conferences and you do stuff or help oversee things that are done at a larger level what do you see in those instances of how it's taking off and taking shape I just see it as something that people are realizing more and more that just having a college degree isn't everything anymore. And just because you have a degree doesn't mean you get a job at the end of it, especially depending on the degree. And I think what administrators have seen is, okay, how can we better prepare our student athletes to be better professionals, better people by the time they leave? Because I think we saw a lot of student athletes, they would leave, struggle with the identity of what do I do? I don't play my sport anymore. Have a degree, but don't know how to get a job. And they weren't able to get an internship because they were practice all the time. So it's like, how can we help develop them as people, give them career development opportunities, help build a resume, help them have financial workshops so that they know just because they have checks in their checkbook, if they even know what a checkbook is, that doesn't mean they still have money in their bank account. <laughs> I heard a horror story about that once. He was like, oh, I got money in my check. I got checks in my checkbook. I got money in my account. And it's like, oh, dear God, no, that's not the case. So things, that wasn't Austin P. by the way. That was not here at Austin P. But... Um, just having things like that, trying to how do we develop the student and the person more than just develop the student or just the athlete? How do we develop the person as a whole? We've really barely even scratched the surface on what you do in terms of just straight up raw academics. But one question I did have is, you know, they're driven, student athletes are driven to success in their sport, but they're not always in class it's just some people it's just not as high a priority how do you get those who are just not as in tune to it for whatever reason to see the light of hey I know this seems like a hassle but long run this is going to be in your best interest what I try to tell the students that don't have that drive because they come from high school where like their their teachers don't want them to fail because then that looks bad on them. And they're reminding them of their homeworks every day, every day, every day. And then their parents are there screaming at them, you got to do good, you got to do good. I said, look, unless all of you come up with a conspiracy of all the teams I work with and all of you fail, and even if you do, props to you, like, well done, I'm probably not going to get fired if you get an F. And if you do fail, you have to retake the class, you have to pay for it, and the university will gladly take your money a second time. So if you fail a class, you are legitimately hurting no one but yourself. So just don't. Just do your work. Like, 
That's what I try to tell that. I'm like, I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it and say, if you get an A in this class, your life's going to be all better. It probably won't be any different unless you fail all of them, obviously. So just don't put yourself in a position that you don't want to be in. I'll still be here if you fail. Just don't. <laughs> so we just try to encourage them that way. Are you amazed by how many freshmen come in here with no concept of time management or how to study? Uh, I'm not amazed by it. I get it. In a lot of ways, I wasn't either. Uh, I feel like a lot of times student-athletes do get a bad rep for that. But I think teaching a, I teach an intro to university class on campus. And our student-athletes have a much better concept of time management than a lot of other students on campus. Um, student-athletes, they, they have to learn it quick. <laughs> it's either learn it or fail quick. And when you do fail, all right, get back up again because you got to learn it quicker. Um, but, yeah, time management's not easy. I think that's one of the most important things you learn at college. And I'll say this, some of the student athletes, they're more driven with their classes than they are about their sport. Uh, I work with soccer um, and a couple other sports where we have pre-med students going after pre-med. And they are very driven about their grades. And sometimes I have to talk them off a ledge like, hey, deep breath, you got to see at midterm. We can get this up. We're good. <laughs> All right, we close out every one of these with the Prowse questionnaire. Oh, goodness. It's not that difficult. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite word? This I don't know if this makes that much sense, but I love holler. Like, I'm from the mountains of East Kentucky. We have hollers. I love the word holler. My dad's uh, childhood ancestral home is affectionately referred to by all members of my extended family as the holler. So I'm Good people. Sounds like good people. What's your least favorite word? <laughs> Forgot. Anytime a student's like, did you do this word? They're like, oh, I forgot. Oh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> what is the perfect student-athlete experience? Oh, if I knew that, I'd probably be getting paid quite a bit more. <laughs> I feel like one that is student-centered, but is focused on their best interest, even if they don't know what their best interest is. So, like, it's fun but it's very effective in ways that they might not realize it's fully effective yet. What is the most ter terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Most terrifying situation? I went skydiving twice. Falling out of an airplane, like leaning on an airplane, getting ready to fall out. Even you're like, oh, I wasn't scared. You're scared. Like, that's not natural. What was your favorite Halloween costume as a kid? I wasn't this as a kid, but this is my favorite one. I got a black um, sweater, black sweatpants, a roll of bright yellow duct tape, and just taped it down my chest, and I was a road. <laughs> it was great. People look at me, they're like, oh, yeah. It cost me like 10 bucks. It was great. What's your favorite candy continuing this Halloween theme? <sighs> I like peanut butter filled M&M's. And anything Reese's. Anything Reese's. What's the worst movie you ever paid to watch in a theater? Worst <laughs> Men Who Stare at Goats. I went to watch it at 11.45 at night in college. Honestly, I can't even say it was bad because I fell asleep in like 30 minutes. It had no plot moving, and I fell asleep. When my wife and I were dating, we would alternate who got to pick the movie. I picked that, and I lost the privilege to pick the movie. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't good. This one's going to seem a little dark, but I just want to kind of hear it out. Um, how would you prefer to die? 
how would I prefer to die? That was not said like in a serial killery type. Way. <laughs> <laughs> no Saul recantations of like the movie Saul. Uh, uh, part of me either says like in my sleep or like in a blaze of glory doing something like crazy where it's like, it's a great story. They'll remember it at least. <laughs> <laughs> what, like robbing a bank or something? <laughs> no, something like jumping a bike off a a big ramp over like Niagara Falls while eating like a piece of fried chicken or something. I don't know. That that makes no sense, but it's low level evil can evil stuff there. Yeah, but somehow it'd be like an accident. It's like I don't know how I got here. <laughs> but <laughs> when you're old, what kind of story or what do you think your children and grandchildren will ask you stories about from our era that may be tough to explain? Things that like I did or like in general, like Pop, Pop, why did we whatever back in 2018? Huh. I think they have a lot of questions to ask, to be honest with you. Um, I think they might ask, why were the Reds so bad at baseball for so long? Like, I don't understand it. And I'll say I don't have an answer either. Um, but as far as questions they'll ask me, this is between me and you, Kobe. Um, in college, I had some friends who, if we didn't have anything to do on like a Friday or Saturday, we would crash weddings fairly often. And we were the politest wedding crashers. We did nothing wrong, not in it to get the girls. It was just, it was fun. Get some free food. And I think my kids would be like, what? What? And you may have to have another podcast about it. I don't know, but those were good stories. Yeah, we'll go. We'll, yeah. <laughs> Um, yes. <laughs> uh, sorry. I don't know if that's what you were looking for in that question, but. It wasn't not what I was looking for, but it definitely caught me by surprise. What makes you hopeful? Hmm. People. Uh, I know a lot of people may say people make you not have hope, but I think when you legitimately sit down and talk to people and have actual conversations with them, and you look at them as a person and not just as, oh, you're this side or you're that side or this. It's like, okay, I get this. And I think oh, people are a lot better than we give them credit for. Uh, but also my faith gives me hope. Um, just as a Christian, believe in that. What I hope in is not just a hope. It's like, no, it's, it's rooted in this, and I have confidence in this. And, yeah, that just gives me a ton of hope. And there's a lot of things in this world that can take that hope away quick, but there's nothing that can take away what I believe in my Christian faith and what I believe Jesus did for me and does for me daily. And um, that's definitely where my hope's sitting at, yeah. What does the future hold for you? Ask myself that too much, I think. Um, I don't know. I think <clears throat> a lot of my passion is with people. I enjoy teaching. I've figured that out these past two years, teaching uh, intro to Austin P, and I love that. I love kind of just asking questions to students, uh, getting them to have a passion for learning, uh, whether that be in different topics, different areas, or just in a general life skills kind of looking way. Uh, also still have a passion for ministry. I think that's something that'll be a part of my life, uh, regardless whether that's in professional ministry or just as a part of who I am. I'm not for sure, but I definitely see an education in some standpoint. 
um, specifically what within education? I don't know yet. Well, we'll, we're happy to have you here as long as you're willing to stay here. Ryan Combs, thank you for your time today. This has been an absolute pleasure. Hey, I appreciate you having me, and uh, glad to be here. Big thank you to Ryan Combs for tolerating whatever questions I thought up in the middle of the night. Uh, Dylan, what are we seeing this weekend on the gridiron? We got ESPN3 game of the week against Eastern Kentucky. It is the second in the fourth this season after our win against Tennessee State, and we expect another big crowd. A long-time one-sided rivalry with the Colonels, but these are not the same Govs, and these are not the same Colonels. A lot on the line this year. The Govs picked up just their fifth win all-time against EKU last year and have not won against the Colonels in Clarksville since 2011. So uh, a lot is on the line this week for the Governors. Moving back to the hard court, volleyball is back in action at Eastern Kentucky, and there's a lot of implications that we touched on prior. We mentioned it a little bit, and we have a lot of information here that Colby's going to try to explain, and I guess the right word is try to translate at this point because there's a lot of information and a lot of scenarios that could you know, potentially have the Govs hosting an OVC tournament and winning a regular season championship or not. Yeah, if you're driving, go on ahead and pull off to the side of the road because I don't want anybody falling asleep from boredom and crashing. So, after falling to Murray State on Tuesday, the Govs and the Racers find themselves in dead heat for the OVC regular season title. What does that mean? Well, it means a whole bunch of things, but that largely current OVC set winning percentage could play a big role, which governors currently have an upper hand at 73% or 0.735% to use winning percentage correctly, whereas Murray's at 0.686. If Murray State sweeps the rest of the way, their win percentage will get to 0.733. In that scenario, if we win all three of our matches, but drop three sets, our winning percentage moves to 0.738 and we would maintain the regular season title. If you are confused, yet you're not alone. There are, in fact, eight tie-breaking scenarios here in this, frankly, disturbingly long email that Cody Bush sent me on the subject. The last being, in the event tie cannot be broken, seats will be determined by a coin flip. Let's not let it get down to coin flip. Let's take care of business. Let's win this thing outright, and let's host the OVC tournament once more in the Dunn Center. Speaking of the Dunn Center, we'll have both basketball teams on the hardwood in the Dunn Center over the next few days, beginning with the women's basketball team on Friday. Yep, they host Georgetown College in an, their first and final exhibition of the season, looking to fine-tune any issues they have and that they might have found in the first uh, month of practice or so and look to really fine-tune their offense. They then open the official regular season by traveling to Cincinnati, um, and, you know, it'll, it'll be a tough test. You know, it, uh, Cincinnati is, um, you know, a pretty decent school, and it's going to take a very good effort from the Govs to be able to come out with a result there. The men open up at home against Oakland City on November 6th, one of just three home games before the OVC schedule gets underway, so be sure to come out and support there. 
couple of things for our students and student athletes. Uh, advising is getting ready to get underway. Registration for our student athletes begins November 7th. For our student athletes, get with your advisor first and then your athletics academic coordinator so you can get your classes locked in. Also, a lot of opportunities to give back and help the community. Um, student athletes that are interested can help reading to students at Burt Elementary School, helping with Mana Cafe or Buddy Ball. And if you want to do any of those, please contact Haley Jacoby for more info for you or for your team. And also, First Christian Church is also looking for people weekly to unload their food truck, and Haley is also your contact point for that. Get in touch, stay in touch via web and social media. Dylan. Which newfangled social media apps can people find us on? The main three that you can find us on are Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Let's Go P. And also Twitter has specific team accounts, and you can find those on letsgop.com. Shout out Taylor Wiseman in video services and Tyler Davis in digital media as well. Let's go P.com for dates, news, and stories. Dylan, Cody, Stephan Delay, myself, we are doing the best we can to keep you updated on everything going on in and around Austin P. And with basketball season just now a few days away, please go see Katie Locke and Sidney Hooper in the ticket office. They have you covered. And additionally, if you are someone that you know or you might be blood related to, won the Powerball or Mega Millions Lottery, whatever you want to call it, check out the new courtside seating for all Austin P Hoops contests. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or directly on the website at letscop.com slash podcast. Give us a rating and review because I require your love for self-validation. And if you want to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out. Swear at Dylan for liking New England-based sports. Email us at schwartzd at apsu.edu or wilsonrc at apsu.edu, and we will holler at you guys again next week. She likes the Beatles, and I like the Stones. She likes romantic movies, I like Indiana Jones, yeah. She goes to church, and I stay at home, oh. She likes the Beatles, and I like the Stones.